Hello, Great Minds. It's Tuesday, and that means it's time for Drinks with Great Minds in History, as we get ready to talk about our second living person on the show, Jimmy Carter. So welcome to the show, everyone. As always, I'm your host, Mr. DGMH, otherwise known as Zach DeBacco. And we are now on to our third and a half, I'm going to say, of our birthday specials for this year. If you don't know what that is, well, then I guess you haven't really been listening to, you know, November's episodes. Uh, but each year we welcome the guest on the show, that is Sherry, Cullen, Luke, Kelly, uh, to do a special episode where they drive, they pick, they decide the content, and they teach it to us on whatever they want to discuss. I have no say uh, at all. You know, so far we covered sports, the 14th Amendment, and now we're covering someone that kind of breaks our golden rule. Um, as we are covering, and God, I hope this stays true by the time this airs, uh, someone who is still with us, uh, President Jimmy Carter, Kelly Rizal's favorite president, which brings us to our birthday girl for tonight. So let's go ahead and introduce the first lady of shots, old three-finger Jack herself, Kelly Rizal. Hi, Kelly. How are you doing tonight? I'm great, Zach. How are you? Oh, as always, I am fantastic. I am drinking a nice little cocktail, which I'll talk about in just a minute. And it's it's very refreshing. I'm out in my little office space. It's quiet. But yeah, Kelly, when is your birthday? You're a summer girl like me. I am. My birthday's in July. Yes. So we're a little little belated, yeah. but well, that's okay. <laughs> I don't even know if we'll do a birthday special for me because I just I like I'm sitting here thinking like when would we even do that? And also then it's like, wait, that's just me producing the content. That sounds stressful as, as any other episode. Uh, so, so we have a July birthday. I'm here with an August birthday. Uh, but we're not alone because Kelly just, uh, you know, perfectly put and said, I'd like to invite a special guest on. So we are also joined by the founder of the DGMH Fans of Eminem Club. <laughs> right off the bat season one guest burton clayton no i'm just kidding clay burton clay burton welcome back to the show it's been a while since you've been on but a lot's changed in your life you now have two wonderful children uh and it's been very busy for you but how are you doing tonight clay doing great thank you for having me i'm a huge fan and uh excited to be here well, we're excited to have you um you know clay when it, your birthday was recently too october 22nd See, so we're squeezing in a half. And if you count me too, I certainly wouldn't have chosen Jimmy Carter. I don't know if Clay would have, but we're riding along with Kelly for her birthday special. We're recognizing our birthdays a little bit along the way. Of course, mine's August 2nd. Um, so yeah, well, uh, what are we drinking tonight, everyone? Uh, why don't we start with the birthday girl, Clay? Uh, Clay, no, Clay. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, Clay, the birthday girl. Uh, um, Kelly, what are you? I've been drinking since before pregame started. I'm not going to Um what are you drinking? I'm now? drinking a white wine in honor of Mr. Jimmy Carter because he will only drink a glass of wine or whiskey each day. So white wine is his favorite. So white wine it is. Not a not a not a white three finger jack. No, unfortunately, I don't even know what it is because I don't drink white wine. But is it a, is it a Chardonnay, a Pinot Grigio? It is a Pinot Grigio. Oh, I love a Pinot Grigio. Yes, I am nice like. You give me a chard glass of Chardonnay and a cardigan by a fire, and I am a happy guy. All right. <laughs> I know that doesn't sound like the most masculine thing I could say, but this is the 21st century. So any haters can just. 
Shut the fuck up. <laughs> all right. So uh, anyway, all right. So we're drinking a white wine from Italy. Uh, he was a worldly man after his presidency oh, and during his presidency. I think it's fine to bring it uh, in there. Uh, b- birthday girl number two, Clay Burton. What are, <laughs> what are, and in case, uh, well, Clay, what are you drinking tonight? You know, I've got, I got a couple of high noons. Sunset packed into the Yeti. And then, but my shot. Well, wait, we'll shot. do shots later. We'll talk shots later. Thank, thank, thank you to Kelly for, for, for making the connection for me, but it's, it's whiskey. Oh, 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 okay. You're doing a shot of whiskey <laughs> for the whiskey. I see. I didn't know he drank a, a glass of wine or a glass of whiskey once a day. Might be a good philosophy. But when I have a glass of wine, I tend to, the bottle tends to disappear. It's just never, it's never. You didn't say how big the glass was. So, so, uh, yeah, yeah, yes, that's true. Terms of measurement are important. Uh, but you know, Clay, I think the last time you were actually on, which was a social drinking episode, I had a, uh, a bottle of white wine, uh, and we just, and then Sherry came on afterwards and we stayed on for an extra hour and a half, just bullshitting, not even <laughs> recording it. If had we had Patreon, I would have recorded the whole thing. I was like blackout drunk when we got off that episode. So I actually have a rule that I'm allowed to bring a glass of wine to a recording, but not a bottle of wine because I will drink it all. Bad rule. It's a bad rule. I think I had like the, the drink eye did, by the end of that we episode. We had fun. It was, but I, I, I'm pretty sure that I was like one eye shut by the end of that episode. And Sherry has a picture of it somewhere. Good. But but just for clarification, in case listeners, you know, didn't or new to the show, didn't listen to season one, uh, Clay was on, what shots episode was that? Was it Columbus, Columbus v. Stalin? Stalin? Yes, Columbus v. Stalin. And... uh he, you know, Kelly teaches this hip hop class, uh, you know, they used to teach a hip hop <laughs> class. To. And it was at that time where she was doing like a debate or a tournament thing on, uh, on that. And March Madness. yeah, March Madness for best rappers of all time or hip hop R&B artists of all time, or whatever it was. And, uh, you know, Clay made a, a, a joke that was perfectly put in context. And he said, you know, uh, he was a huge fan of Eminem. And in my early days of editing, I didn't do the best job, or maybe I did the best job. I don't know. It was really funny for me. Uh, Lived on. But if you go back and listen to Columbus v. Stalin, you'll hear this part where it's just like, hi, I'm Clay Burton. I'm a teacher. I have a wonderful daughter. I love Eminem. And it was... <laughs> Some editing on my part that I just, I thought about like, that's just, oh, it's so funny. Oh, I just, Clay called, hey, you really made me sound like an Eminem fan. I went back and listened to it like 10 times. I was like, son of a bitch. Uh, but that was, that was, that's that joke. So in case you didn't get that, we'll see what shitty editing I do for this one, Clay. Clay's going to keep his mouth shut, I think. Now. But, but I like Eminem, personally. Yeah. yeah. No problem with it, but it's a little, a little aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> a little aggressive yeah. number one fanboy yeah yeah, yeah yeah yes well d d d just to be fair the dgmh fans of eminem club is a very limited club to be part of uh clay is our our president uh and it's not just clay i'm certainly in it as well uh but uh it's just you know clay's the founder and uh the reason for the the season i suppose so uh you're drinking what flavor of high noons these are black cherry i had a couple of mangoes earlier and then Ooh, we'll go nice. Clay Burton is here to party. Oh my gosh. He is yeah. here to party. Uh, I love it. Well, I am drinking a uh, gin mule. Um, you know, it, I am drinking it with bloom gin. I, I squeeze a little fresh uh, lemon and lime juice because I didn't have a lot of lime uh, juice to squeeze in. So I went with a little lemon too. And I did a, um, a little, I actually had a ginger, uh, a ginger ale 
uh, that wasn't, it wasn't a ginger beer, but it was, so it's a little sweeter and it's very smooth and very tasty. And I happen to have some mint too. So I just kind of plopped it all in there, muddled it up and called it a day for a nice, very, very delicious uh, cocktail. It's not Teddy Roosevelt's episode. No, well, he was mint juleps. That sounds like kind of like a mint julep. All right. Well, you know, one thing that I don't like to do is spend more than five or so minutes before the song. So uh, if it's all right with you, we'll go ahead and get to the main show. You know, whatever beaver hole we end up jumping down, I'm pretty excited about it to uh, to follow Kelly down that hole. Oh, that just sounded wrong. But still, uh, either way, I'm excited to talk about this great mind, Jimmy Carter, and finally understand why Kelly uh, adores him so much. But first, Kelly said she was not singing it. Clay said he had a little cold or something. So I guess that means I'm singing the song. It's some history for you, a reason to drink for me. It's the history of the great minds that made history come to be. All right, Kelly. The show is yours. Oh dear, I don't even know. I guess in what Plains, the fuck Georgia. What do you mean you don't know? In, in Plains, Georgia is where we are starting. Okay. <laughs> um, so we all know I love Jimmy Carter, and I've, I've said it multiple times, and I'll say it again. He is the greatest human being who has ever been president of the United States. Um, throughout anything, he gets a bad rep, and hopefully, after tonight, people understand maybe he shouldn't necessarily get that title. Um, so Jimmy is still currently living, and he is 98 years old. Oh, my so he God. He was born in 1924 in Plains, Georgia. And when he was four years old, he and his parents moved to a town over called Archery, where his um, family built up a farm. His dad was also a business owner. And it was actually very interesting, um, his childhood, because they were not rich on any means he had no running water he had no electricity but he was one of the richest families in that area oh, wow. um, but he also was even more interesting this is georgia deep south georgia and i'm sure we all know what that looks like in the 1920s and 30s super super racist um super segregationist but jimmy carter's all of his friends were other black children so wow. Even though his school was segregated, his church was segregated, when he went home, all of his playmates were African-American children. So I think that had a huge impact on himself. And it also is one is showing what good character his parents had. But also, I mean, he grew up just not even being a part of what the racist South was. Like it wasn't it almost was like he lived in his own little bubble. And I think you're right to say, Kel, that that will influence him later on because, I mean, you know, it's easy to sit here and say JFK, LBJ, it's done. Uh, You know, know, I feel like the history books like to pretend like we don't have to teach the the racial elements and division anymore, but busing is still a big issue. Uh, That is to say, you know, maintaining segregation through kind of de de facto ways, not, you know, legal methods Mm -hmm. um, well into the 70s. Yeah. And well, Jimmy in the Carter, 20s, I would say it's the most segregated. Not no, 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 for sure then, but I mean, I, yes, yeah. for sure then, but I mean, like, even when he's president, you know, oh, so absolutely. I think it will have a huge influence uh, because we're coming off the Nixon years. We were talking about the Southern strategy and pregame. So, I mean, I think we kind of, you, we don't, you don't teach it as much with Jimmy Carter, mm-hmm. the civil rights elements, but I think that that certainly is a, I mean, that's something I never knew. And uh, yeah, Clay, I mean, if you ever want to chime in, Clay, I mean. That's got to be the Jim Crow South, right? Georgia. Absolutely. The twenties, like, and then he's he's obviously not, not obviously, but like you said, he's he's uh, you know super inclusive and you know accepting. Like you said, it will will play into his uh, presidency with his policies and things like that, and post presidency. So I know that's a really good point. Interesting. And it, 
and I don't spend enough time looking at the presidents we teach in their childhood. I have no real reason to, because I don't need to dive that deep into them, but I think it's so interesting to hear. But sorry, Kelly, I cut you off. Oh, no, not at all. Um, but one of the other things, like if I were to ask you, what do you know about Jimmy Carter before he was president? What would you tell me? Uh, I do know he was a peanut farmer from Georgia. And I believe when he was running for president and announced it, he was governor of Georgia. He walked up to the Speaker of the House or something like this and said, hi, I'm Jimmy Carter. I'm running for president. And the person he was talking to didn't even have a clue who he was. Uh, something something like those are the only those are my anecdotes for Jimmy Carter. <laughs> That's kind of my point is people were like, oh, he's just a peanut farmer. But what people don't understand is he was one of the smartest men that was ever president of the United States. So he went to college. He went to Southwestern College and Georgia uh, Institute of Technology, and then he entered the U.S. Naval Academy. So he graduated with a Bachelor of Science, and then he was commissioned as an ensign in the U.S. Navy in 1946. So thank God he was put in the Navy after World War II. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. Holy shit. And that same exact year, he married his wife, Rosalind, who is also still alive, and he's still married to to this day. Oh, yes. It's the Carters. Yes. No, we love the Carters. And so he then was put back in service and he was serving on submarines for several years. And then he joined the Navy's pioneering nuclear submarine program. And then he went to graduate school at Union College studying nuclear physics. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And then he was put on um, our nation's second uh, nuclear submarine called the Seawolf. So like that alone, it's like, holy shit. Like he was insanely bright. Yet no one took the time to even look or focus on that. It was just like, oh, he's just some farmer. But on the flip side, yeah, he was a farmer, but he was also studying nuclear physics. Now, I, I know that any Jimmy Carter fan, any deep you know, U.S. history fan, anybody who's, you know, maybe even teaches and really likes the Carter years, obviously, like Kelly, might, like, know all this stuff. But, like, Clay, is this news to you, too? Like, I, I knew none of this stuff. No, I was, I was going to say when I did the research, what came up was he was born in October, which I'm born in October, and he was born in Georgia, which I was born in Georgia. So I was like, and he's in our presidential sprint unit, you know, like we, we kind of yeah. get to the mm -hmm. year and we like, got to get it in, got to go. And I was like, oh, I like, I like this guy already. And then when I looked deeper, is I saw the, the submarine, not before today, but like you said, I saw the submarines and I didn't know about all the uh, nuclear physics and stuff like that. But that's, that, you know, that's super impressive and uh yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, I, I don't do any research for birthday episodes. I like to be as surprised as possible. I do have some thoughts on this Seawolf submarine. I have a few thoughts as to why it might have been named the Seawolf, but I'll save that conversation for for another day. Uh, you know, but I think it might be tied to a, a famous naval figure, but I'd, I'd have to go back and, and actually do some research on that. But that's pretty cool. So we have Peanut Farmer, who's actually, uh, you know, very inclusive and... Um, from the deep south and a nuclear physicist by study if not by trade mm -hmm. so what happens between his college years and his political uh career well what caused him to go home was his father died mm. and when his father died in the early 1950s he left the military and went back home to Georgia so he could run the farm. So he brought his wife, Rosalind, and at this time, his three sons with him back to Plains, Georgia. So this is when this whole peanut farmer, you know, stereotype comes. So but he kind of took over the family. He like took over the family business, but his father also 
was in politics as well. Oh. So his dad was uh, part of the Georgia House of Representatives. So Jimmy also felt like, well, I should do that too. And another reason why we love our Jimmy, his first position in politics was on the school board in his county. Ooh. We love that. But I'm going to edit that out because I don't want to get fired. <laughs> <laughs> but... but if you think about it, though, this is Georgia in the 1950s. So what's the in the early 50s? So what's the biggest issue in the South in regards to school? Integration. Exactly. Wow. So he's coming in at this cusp and his platform is school should be integrated. And that is what he ran with um, and he was elected. And then he started to kind of go higher. So after he did this, he wanted to take it further and join the Georgia State Senate. So he ran for the Democratic ticket, won, but his opponents claimed voter fraud. So his, they were saying his oh, Republican opponents. Now Jimmy Carter's a Democrat even in this period. He's a Democrat, yes. yep. So I couldn't tell if it was Democrat and Republican, but people running against him were okay. like, "Oh no, if he didn't win, it was really, I mean, it was voter fraud." And so Jimmy took them to court and proved that they were, you know, listing dead people for saying that these votes that didn't count and all this stuff. So it's like, oh okay, God. so what, 70 years later, people are still claiming this bullshit. Well, I didn't um, even know it was a thing, but sure. <laughs> yeah, I didn't either, but it was just like, so that's probably why, you know, in the last go around, Jimmy's like, no, no. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. Been there, done that. <laughs> yeah, don't fuck with me. Uh, just sounds like a smart guy though, who doesn't take bullshit. You know, uh, yeah. that's a, very quickly what I'm what I'm gathering. So we've got him in so state in the Georgia House, state, state Senate, Senate yeah. and what's he going to do in his state government? Because to become uh, his next step, which is governor of Georgia, I mean, you'd have to be a pretty successful statesman. Which, which I think is worth noting, is to some people more important. Than being at the federal level, uh, you know, some a lot of people. That's a mindset that the state that you want to serve your state. You know, not everybody's just a political climber. Um, that's 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 interesting. So uh, I guess I just said my own thought was interesting, which is embarrassing, but still. No, I uh, agree. Well, and then because well, he did, does run for governor, but he loses the first hmm. go around, and so then that. he spent the next four years kind of in the self reflection mode. But he spent time with his sister who kind of reminded him of religion. And this is when he said it before this time, he thought of himself basically as like a fake Christian. But oh. now he kept diving deeper and deeper into religion. And this is when he's quoted himself as saying, this is when he was born again. Oh. And when he basically refound his religion, he decided this is the time to run again. And so he ran for governor and won. Wow. A1, he announced, I am dedicating my entire career as governor to end the racial divide in the state of Georgia. So what he said in his inaugural address was the time for racial discrimination is over. And so, again, this was 1970 and a white man in Georgia is saying this. And so it's pretty huge. And so he gets moves into the governor's mansion. And the first thing he does is he starts hanging portraits of Martin Luther King Jr. Wow. throughout the building throughout the Capitol. Wow. And he actually made good on his word. So he starts immediately changing things. So he's hiring African-American state employees. He's 
refunding schools so that rich and poor districts are getting the same amount. He's also creating educational facilities for prisoners and for the mentally disabled. And so he revamping Georgia completely. And I feel like this kind of goes back to what you said earlier is why isn't he one of the presidents that's named when we talk about civil rights leaders? I know that this was just when he was governor, but to change the state of Georgia. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, you, huge. it's, you know, I think like, it's when I look at Marshall, I always make sure to point out that like Brown v. Board's great, but there had to be two more Brown v. Boards mm-hmm. basically to say, you have to move quickly here, people. You know, it has to happen. I was shocked when I found out there was a Brown 3 decision. Uh, you, you know, Clay, did you have a thought? I was going to say, what, what was 2 with all deliberate speed or something, mm-hmm. something about urgency or something? Right. That, yeah. So the process yeah. is slow. It's so easy to sit here and say the, the highlights of civil rights and say Brown mm-hmm. v. Board, March on Washington, voting rights. And then I think the general population and maybe that's many people listening to this podcast or people from outside the country even who listen to this podcast who don't maybe hone in on civil rights is it was still a battle that had to be fought for decades and didn't always have the backing of political leadership uh, you know integration was slow integration was resisted and jimmy carter i mean just to set the timeline he's in the senate in the 60s and he's governor in the 70s and mm-hmm. those times in Georgia, those are the times of, of deep resistance. I mean, 68, 69, 70, we are still talking. I'm just turning to Nixon's Southern strategy again. It was rolling back integration. Uh, integration, Brown v. Board was just schools, just schools. Every other case into the 70s had to be tested in the Supreme Court to be Force to force integration, you know. Um, so it, it is so worth noting that it's just not that one and done thing. It's not boom, boom, boom. These three things change the world. It's I don't know. So back to back to Carter though, Kelly. So we have him in the governor's office, and he's yeah, changing. No, he's governor. He's changing all these racial divides. But this is also when his popularity grows because he is this almost fish out of water southern democrat i I don't even want to call him a southern democrat just the fact that he lives in the south Um, but he starts attracting musicians and so one of his nicknames is the rock and roll president because he forges relationships with all of these artists who meet him and then fall in love with him because he is just an ordinary humble man yeah so this is when he starts becoming good friends with bob dylan Willie Nelson, the Allman Brothers, Jimmy Buffett. They all go to the governor's mansion and meet with them, have drink. Oh, Jimmy has one drink, but I'm sure the rest of them. This sounds like a pot smokers festival. Like, I don't even understand what you just described. Like, he didn't just make friends with musicians. He made friends with, like, the, 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 I don't even know. I'm not a big, you know, drug, like, well, I'm not a drug person at all, but I'm not, like, very knowledgeable in the lingo, but, like, I mean, this sounds like a like a frat party, you know, <laughs> like, mm. how do you know? Well, you think about it. It's this straight-laced Christian man, but he is befriending all of these other types of people. And I think that says so much more about his character, mm-hmm. that yep. he is 100% accepting of anybody and everyone. The fact that he's like, yeah, come on over. We can have a drink. You can play. You can do whatever you need to do. And there's no judgment. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that is... It's huge because he's just accepting and welcoming of everybody. So when he finally does decide to become run for president, 
they are all backing him. Jimmy Carter is quoted saying that the Allman brothers basically paid for him to become president. They funded his almost entire campaign because they would do concerts for him. And all of that money raised would go directly to Jimmy Carter. And like in Oregon, Jimmy was not doing well because people didn't know who he was. And so he said, well, you know, Jimmy Buffett told me once, you know, if I ever needed him, call him. So I called him. So he flew out to Oregon and then the rest is said and done. So you have all of these people that are willing to, you know, do anything to get him elected. I'm a huge Jimmy Buffett fan, but I think I just became a bigger one. Uh, You you know, like uh, that's it's just fun to hear. I mean, the the Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Buffett said that he got to Oregon and Oregon didn't have anything like to like a sound system. So he's like, yeah, we all just got on our acoustic guitars and, you know, 20,000 people showed up. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that sounds like a, like a once in a lifetime experience, mm-hmm. you know, but. Uh, so but again, I think it says more about who Jimmy Carter is than anything else. So, so I think maybe we should, for those listeners that aren't as aware, you know, like if my dad was listening to this, I mean, even though he grew up in this time, uh, he might not be as aware of the timeline here, but we've got the Nixon presidency coming to an end. We've got Gerald Ford being swept from the Speaker of the House, I believe, position into the vice presidency and then becoming the president after Nixon steps down. And then we've got Ford and the pardoning of Nixon helping the nation heal stuff happening. And then we've got Ford... Carter and Ronald Reagan running for president mm-hmm. in what is that 70 76 and that's where we're at in our story right now yes I'm um, sorry that's a good point because I mean the nation was in turmoil and and that's why a lot of these musicians liked him because he's bringing integrity back to the White House after all this shit show that we've had for the last mm-hmm. you know six years and so he even Jimmy even said that while he was running, the Democratic Party itself didn't necessarily want him as a candidate because they kept referring to him as the ABC candidate, anybody but Carter. So each oh. state he would go to, they would send in somebody else to try to steal votes away from him. But Jimmy was so popular, especially with minorities and now youth because of the music, that it was just kind of unstoppable. So it was it was two years before um he the election so he threw his name in the ring in 1974 and everyone laughed at him they're like there's no way and then when he starts having all of these big names you know advocating for him it it worked yeah that's so fun i I mean i i knew none of this Uh, clay any thoughts that you want to chime in yeah i mean it kind of sounds like he was way ahead of his time with like that sounds like modern day politics like where you get your life like so with the social media era like you want to align yourself with the biggest celebrity and you know and, and you know rock the vote and all this kind of stuff and then you, like you, like you said it obviously hit with the with the young crowd and, and getting them all together and getting them all fired up and uh, like you said he you know coming off all the turmoil and the drama and I think his, his slogan was like I'm not gonna lie to you like I won't lie to you as mm-hmm. president like he's kind of running as the common man and you know the trustworthy integrity guy and, yeah you know yeah I didn't know about all the aligning with all the hit musicians so that's that's brilliant way way ahead of his time but that's such a, such a great point too i mean an endorsement by taylor swift is worth more to most people than an endorsement oh, yeah. by hillary clinton you know what i mean like, like I, you know, I, it, it's it's just it, it's such a good point to bring up clay and i mean almost kind of i would have glossed over that completely is is just 
nobody else is doing this. Nobody's grabbing that star power and latching on to it. But you for know. him, it's not. it wasn't just about getting the vote. These are lifelong friendships. Like, he is still in touch with these people, and they still have a, a close relationship. Love it. So that's why it was, you know, it was genuine mm-hmm. in his, like, I don't want to say recruitment, but his friendships. It wasn't for show. So, so let's put him on the uh, the presidency because I mean the problem with Carter is if it was easy like every other president and we could just talk about his presidency and then be done, we don't, we can't, we can't do that with Carter. So, so do you want to talk a little bit about the election at all? Or uh, I mean, the election was close. It was him and Ford, but from what I have um, seen, is people say what put him over the top were the televised debates against him and Ford. Hmm. And, you know, kind of the Kennedy-esque as Ford just looked better. And people saw that. Carter Carter just looked better. Sorry, Carter looked better and it pushed him over the edge against Ford. And And I mean, people weren't big Ford fans. Reagan almost unseated uh, him for the nomination as a sitting president, you know, and he was never elected, which is a fun thing to say. You know, the only person never to be elected to president. So I'm glad he didn't win in that sense, but uh still makes it memorable. But anyway, so... Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, he was elected. And I mean, he, he did so many good things, but people only seem to remember the bad. And anytime I'm on like Facebook or social media, and people are like, who are the worst presidents? Jimmy Carter's name is always thrown out there. And I, I can't even fathom why. So I don't know if we want to start with the bad or start with the good. I, I mean, I'm curious. Um why don't we start with the good? You know me. I always go good and then bad at the end. And with Jimmy Carter, the bad isn't piece of shit bad. But just no, since we do rise and fall, let's let's quickly assess what allowed him okay. to be a successful president. Um, we'll start with the non-relevant, but on the rock and roll theme. He would hold um, concerts on the White House lawn and invite people. So he would have jazz musicians like Dizzy Gillespie mm. played, which is huge. Uh, Willie Nelson played at the White House. Um, Willie Nelson also said that he secretly smoked pot in the White House with Jimmy Carter's son. Um, But originally when he told the story, he was like, yeah, it was just some secret service agent because he didn't want to get Jimmy Carter's son in trouble. (laughs) But, you know, jazz, soul music, um, religious country. He would hold all these and bring in ordinary citizens to come here. And he would sit with them in the lawn because he did. He genuinely just loved music. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't say anything about his presidency, but again, character. But I think that's what makes his presidency in part good. And I think that's the point you're trying Funny. to constantly reiterate is that he is a good guy. And I think that's going to be important later on. But but what are the big high, the big things we need um, to know of his presidential success? So first off, he, he changed the tradition on Inauguration Day. Jimmy Carter was the first president to walk down Pennsylvania Avenue. So he and his wife, Rosalind, walked down with the people Previously, every president drove down it in a limousine. So he wanted to, you know, push out this, I am the man of the people. I am one of you. I am your representative. He said a government as good and as competent and as passionate as we are as American people, which gives us a lot of extra credit than we are. But he sent his children to public school while he was the president of the United States. He would fly down to Plains, Georgia and get Sunday school lessons at his local church to, again, what he was doing. Um, But as for the more legislative stuff, on his first day in office, he wanted to kind of heal the wounds of Vietnam because that's still fresh in America. Well, I mean, it ends with Ford, right? I mean, the the, the helicopter pictures 
I mean, the helicopter pictures that are so famously tied to Vietnam of people on top of buildings desperately trying mm-hmm. to get into helicopters, that's a Ford administration thing. You know, Vietnamization might have been Nixon, but Ford kind of carried it out. Yeah, on day one, he signed an executive order giving amnesty to those that he baited the military during the draft. So it's not talking about deserters, but anyone who fled and evaded the draft, he's saying, come home, like you're safe, which I think is pretty huge. And I said... As your day one statement, I think that's pretty telling. Mm-hmm. Um, he also reshaped the executive branch. He did focus a lot more on education, which, and he's the one who developed the Department of Energy. So he's trying to, again, it's kind of what Clay said earlier, almost like a man above this time or before his time, like realizing we need to conserve energy and we shouldn't be so reliant on oil. Oh, this is um, during the, what, OPEC years, right? Mm-hmm. What's this alternative? I mean, this all kind of makes sense now well, with his nuclear you know, physics background. Yeah, alternative energy, you know, solar, wind, all that other stuff like oh. that we've been looking into. Like he was really into conservation. So he's, you know, pulling a little teddy in there, which, you know, we love. But also realizing that this is also the 70s and he's, you know, coming in from the shit show of Nixon and Ford where oil prices were skyrocketing. Um, so I feel like domestically, his big focus was, you know, civil rights, obviously, and conservation. But I think where he really stepped up was his foreign affairs, mm. because he changed American policy yet again, because this was still during the Cold War. And we went from containment, and then we have, you know, Ford, who's focusing on, let's, you know, focus on a power, a nation's power. But Jimmy Carter's like, no, we're going to judge a country on how they treat their people. So his whole foreign policy is on human rights. So it is, if you don't treat your people well, then basically fuck off. Mm -hmm. And that is his policy where it's just like, kudos to you, man, because I feel like no other person would have had the balls to do that. We're putting the average person first. And I guess for his highlights, uh, Camp David Accords. And that's something I teach every year as a vocab term. But like, what 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 are the Camp David Accords for those people that don't know, and what what is the the impact of them? To put it simply, he brought peace to the Middle East. So since the creation of Israel after World War II, there has been hostilities between the uh, Islamic countries and the new Jewish state of Israel. And Jimmy Carter brought in Egypt, he brought in Israel, he put them in Camp David for almost two weeks, mm-hmm. and they got peace, yeah. which was the first time that that happened since the creation of Israel. Let's see, he was the first person to establish relations with the People's Republic of China. Mm-hmm. He gave Panama Canal back to he Panama. He did, he did <laughs> give Panama back, he did, he did, and he was the first president to establish relations with extraterrestrials as i recall oh that i don't know no isn't that isn't the golden record the thing that isn't that him isn't that 76 or something like that hold on hold i on. mean I, jimmy would do it he loves everybody no, it was just it was just <laughs> during his presidency i think that um that uh we cast this message into the cosmos yeah that's him oh. uh it was that the, those first phonograph messages or whatever that were sent out on a oh, Voyager 1, uh, yes, that were like meant to be cast. Hey, Earth is here. This is what we do. Uh, whatever whatever. Of course he did. Of course yeah. he did. Well, I don't know if it was his sole initiative, <laughs> but I mean, NASA <laughs> would be I under his that. purview, uh, no matter what. 
I don't want to interrupt, but I was going to say, you know, as a coach, I can always, you know, try to bring sports into things, but he, he uh, spearheaded the boycotting of the 1980 Olympics in Moscow because the Soviets and Afghans were, they kind of gave him an ultimatum, like, you know, do you, you want to participate or not? Let him know. He's like, no, we're not going to go. So that's a huge thing. You know, you have the U.S. withdrawing from, a, from an Olympics, the, the Summer Olympics, and then that's the 1980s is the Winter Olympics in uh, Lake Placid, I believe. In New Hell York, yeah. miracle on ice. Miracle on ice. You know, so we, <laughs> oh, okay, we stick okay. it to them by not going in the summer, and then we stick it to them again by beating them in hockey in the winter. Oh, so that's pretty cool. Wow, wow, good wow. point, Clay. I didn't even think about that yet. Jimmy Carter was the president when we beat the Soviets at hockey. Was he? Wait, was he? <laughs> yes. That, okay, that was that year. It was. Uh, it was. I think it was January 1980. Wow. Yeah. I mean, so we're really attributing. That's a so uh, launching a record on Voyager nope, nope, One. We're going with it. Clay's a coach. He said it. <laughs> yeah. For you. Happy birthday. What is it? You're you're only as strong as your weakest player, or whatever you know. And Jimmy Carter was not a weak player. I'm not going to lie. There was a ton of gin there. I'm feeling pretty happy. Uh, but we took a quick break, and we are back to discuss. You you know. Clay, I'm going to ask you first. Gen genuinely, how are you feeling about about Carter? I mean, liking him more? Is this stuff you knew? Is this like, or do you have new eyes for Carter personally? No, I think Kelly's done a great job. I got a lot more respect, you know, for him. And, you know, just what keeps hitting me is like, you know, <clears throat> he's not doing it during, he's not doing it the easy way. Or he's, you know, he's, he's uh, fighting for equality in a tough time in Georgia. And then, you know, he takes over in, in governmental positions and, you know, talk about in Georgia, like in the 70s, coming off the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. and still, you know, representing and, you know, fighting for integration and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I think I think it's it's been super, super um, insightful, you know, the, all the information that we're getting tonight. Yeah, and I'm certainly more, more curious about Carter. Um, you know, if anything, I want to research him more. Uh, sadly, it's such a small part of our teaching window. We're normally in a rat race at the end. I will say one fun fact I did find out during our brief break is that in his pre-presidential years while he was running for president, he did an interview with Playboy. Uh, and, I was going to bring it up. <laughs> Why wouldn't we bring that up? That is a perfect fit for this show. But he I was know, like, I know it is. But um, um, my mother, who I saw Jimmy Carter with, which I'll talk about later, she said, "Do not bring up his Playboy interview." And I said, "I promise you, I won't." Well, you to be <laughs> fair, Kelly, you did not, but I brought it up as Mr. I promise, DJ you, I promise you won't, but Zach will. <laughs> yeah, you can blame me. Oh, I'll tell her that when I get yelled at. <laughs> but you know what, though? Like, I just saw a quote, and it was like, I've looked at many women with lust. I've committed adultery in my heart many times. That is to say, he's just kind of glanced. But he says that, you know, he, he turns to his faith. And it's just like, I, I'd love to read the full interview. Have you read the full interview? I have not, but uh, my parents have told me about it. And they said he got so much shit over it. Oh, I'm sure and, he fucking did. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's just like, oh, my goodness. Like, ugh. Okay, he doesn't. You're running for president. You're like the nice guy. You're from Georgia. You're the peanut farmer. You're the simple guy, the outsider. You got everything going for you. And what do you do? You make friends with all the dope and musicians <laughs> and do an interview with Playboy. Was he trying to get like a bad boy edge? I don't quite know. I don't think so. I think um, it was just, you know, because he's so open to everyone. He's like, sure, I'll do an interview. Yeah, That's what I think it was. Why not? 
And he no. probably didn't think, he, I mean, and I don't think he'd said anything wrong. And he's like, yes, of course, I've never cheated on my wife, but I found another woman attractive. It's like, well, oh, of, course. of course, that's just stupid to say and that he's still he'd be married a, to he doesn't lie. And, and he's 98 years old. So. I don't think doing an interview with Playboy magazine necessarily makes him a bad human being. I just thought that it was an interesting way to come back in as we head to the things that make people question Why, Jimmy Mom? Carter. <laughs> so, sorry, mom. Yes, sorry, mom. So, so what's the big bad, Kelly? Why does he lose his bid for re-election? Aside from the fact that Reagan was charismatic and the movie star, and uh, you know, a Republican shift after uh, you know this this hiccup in the seventies. What? Why does Carter lose? Domestically, it was all of the shit show that he inherited. Uh, mainly, you know, the high gas prices. Um, but the the nail in the coffin for him was the Iranian hostage crisis. Mm -hmm. And for those of us who aren't familiar with this, um, this is when basically the Shah of Iran was kicked out. Some extremists took over the American embassy and took, was it 60 or 70 Americans hostage? Uh, I don't. I don't, I don't know the exact number. I don't remember the number. What forties ringing a bell for That's me? I don't know why. Yeah, uh, sorry, I should have looked that one up. Um, but a lot of Americans were taken hostage, and Jimmy Carter was not able to get them out. There 52, was fifty-two. Fifty-two hostages. There was a mission that was supposed to go in and get them, um, but I think it was weather that grounded it, and they just couldn't get it to happen. And I really do think, and that's all people remember for him is, mm -hmm. well, the Iranian hostage crisis, that's it. And right, I mean, this is in the midst of the Iranian revolution. And I mean, Iranian Iranian revolution. Yeah. and part of it is the, uh, the Shah, who was the previous leader, he fled to the United States and they demanded him back and to behead him. And Jimmy Carter said, no. No, no, and, no what president would first off, but Jimmy Carter yes, would never. And he's like, no, of course we're not going to do this. And he was unable to do it until Jimmy lost the election. And then the Iran, once Jimmy Carter had lost the election, when Jimmy realized that he wasn't going to win, he called Ronald Reagan immediately before it was ever called. Mm -hmm. um, and just to say, congratulations, yeah. just to be a awesome human being How it should who, be. Accepts, who accepts elections. Okay, um, but no. anyways. <laughs> And so after it realized that Ronald Reagan had won, then the Iranian government agreed to release the hostages on the day Reagan was inaugurated as yes. president. Yes. So yes. Jimmy Carter could get no credit for it, even though he is the one Who that worked did and worked all and worked. of the work for all of that time to get them out. So he just, he got a bad rep and I really don't believe it was deserved. I've come to come to feel that way too. I've always kind of felt like I have to overlook Carter because of time, but but time also looks overlooks Jimmy Carter. Yeah. And you know, there's no way that that wasn't shadiness on all parties, and there's no way that as a result Carter didn't desperately try uh, everything he could. But he's not going to make an inhumane decision. Clay, thoughts on the the lost election? I mean, aside from, I mean, you could talk about is it just Reagan's popularity or whatever you want? Yeah, no, I think I think the hard pill to swallow would be getting the hostage released <laughs> what was it the day of inauguration the day after yeah. inauguration. Like, it was God. the day of oh, yeah man. yeah <laughs> that's a that's a it's uh it was a slap. we got yeah we're yeah it was the, the ball was in their court and they they did what they wanted and 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 
you know, there's no doubt though that Reagan was an opponent. So I, I mean, until okay, to, and before tonight, I would have said, well, there's Jimmy Carter and Ronald Reagan, you know. But tonight, I feel like maybe there was more of a Jimmy Carter pizzazz to him, you know, that had a more of a, a social, personable element to him. Uh, I, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know. Definitely has piqued my interest. But if it's okay with you guys, since he's lost the election and we remember Jimmy <laughs> Carter more for what he did after his fall from the presidency, I figured this is a perfect time to pivot to Patreon for a quick five or so minute Patreon episode, quick, quick uh, last call episode uh, to respect everyone's on, uh, time. Kelly put a question uh, to me and it's something that we can really only discuss in Patreon because I don't know if there's a way not to get a little political with this. Uh, so if it's okay with you two, I'd like to uh, pivot over to Patreon land uh, where we're going to discuss what makes for a good president. And Kelly, that was the question you wanted that you put, you put out there. No, I love yeah, it. What, I, I, I what characteristics. And I think that's such a great Patreon discussion for Jimmy Carter. So we're going to go ahead and uh, head on over there. Uh, listeners, just follow the link in the show notes or, uh, you know, uh, message me, whatever you need to do. I'll, I'll get you over to Patreon land to get access to this exclusive last call uh, Patreon bonus episode. This one will be out late November, early December uh, for, you know, over the Thanksgiving holiday, we're going to have some hiccups there. I would also need some Patreon content for December. And we've had so much, so, so much in uh, in uh, November already. So, And we haven't talked about Eminem at all. <laughs> okay. We haven't talked about Eminem at all. Maybe Eminem's one of those misunderstood people, Kelly, which is a perfect segue back into Jimmy Carter. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. If it was the 90s and Jimmy Carter was running for president, you know, it seems like Eminem might have been that renegade uh, person that he might have been friends with. The guy did an interview for Playboy, Kelly. Uh, I mean, he, he's, not a, he's not a saint, uh, he but he's everything. a human being. And that's what I love about Jimmy Carter. Uh, so, Kelly, we said he'd be a perfect candidate for rise and fall. But uh, before we discuss that, listeners, uh, patrons, thank you for supporting the show. Uh, listeners, if you want to get access to that conversation and figure out how the hell we ended up back on Eminem, other than the fact that we have our fan club president here, uh, just follow the link in the show notes to get access to that great uh, bonus discussion. We had a beautifully reflective discussion in which it really took all three of us coming together to figure out what what makes for a good president in our minds? And I thought it was a nice, brief, but good uh, discussion on that. But then we, we talked about Eminem and it all went to you know, <laughs> shit. But, but good shit. So, Kelly, let's wrap this episode up with a brief appraisal of, I think the answer finally to the question, why you love Jimmy Carter so much, is in his post-presidency. So why and do you think he's the best human to ever... I think that, that first phrase you said... Um. To correct you, I said he would be good for rise, fall, and rise again. Yes, and you because said he was the best human to ever serve in the office, the not the best president. Being. Well, we can debate the, debate the best president, but the best human being to be president of the United States because he left office, and then he became even more badass. Mm -hmm. So a lot of presidents just kind of slink away and do whatever, but Jimmy was like, no, my job is not done. So he ended his presidency and he started traveling all over the world, especially within Africa and Asia. I'm not going to list every single country in conflict because there are literally dozens that he went to to help end civil conflicts, which he did. He is one of the early supporters of uh, Habitat for Humanity, which builds homes 
for people throughout, I think it's just America, but I could be wrong. But Jimmy Carter was building homes when he was after, and when he's in his 90s, he is still building homes for the poor. He still teaches Sunday school lessons um, every other Sunday in Plains, Georgia. Today? I, I don't know about post-COVID, oh. okay. uh, but he was. And I got the opportunity to see and meet him do one of these Sunday school lessons in Plains, Georgia. And I was so lucky because I was able to go into the tiny little chapel. It was a, a small wooden chapel. And it was so strict. Um, Secret Service was still there. And I had somehow, thanks to a close friend who was in um, the Carter Center, was able to get me into the chapel. And I sat in the front row with the former pastor's family. So Jimmy Carter thought I was part of their family, which was amazing. So Jimmy gave this Sunday school lesson and picked the most obscure person in the Bible, someone I've never heard of. I think it was just almost a bystander in the Bible and told the most amazing story of just what anyone can do. And I think that was his message was, you know, I, you know, this this someone who is not part of the main story, but look at the contribution that they can also make to the greater good. And he spoke so eloquently. It was so beautiful. And then after the service, I was in tears because it's Jimmy Carter and he's so amazing. And he was so knowledgeable and so smart. And this was, he was well into his 90s. This is only a few years ago. And then he came over to our pew because I was sitting with the former pastor and my mom was with me. And so he's shaking everyone's hands and talking to him. And then he's coming down the line and we're like, oh my God, oh my God, it's Jimmy Carter. They told us we can't touch him or we're going to get shot. Um, and so he reaches on his hands to my mom and I'm like, he might touch me. He might touch me. And I, I, I don't know if it was just, I was a fangirl, but I was also a historian. I could possibly meet a president. And then he reached out a hand to me and I shook his hand and it was the best day of my entire life. And then his wife, Rosalind did the same and they embraced us because they thought we were family and it was just it wasn't even a second thought it was oh you're part of this pastor's family even we weren't we just happened to be sitting there and of course we didn't say otherwise we yeah, well of course yeah. um but he was so nice and sweet and down to earth it was unbelievable and i could not imagine anything different and that was just him on a normal sunday yeah and in Plains, Georgia, in the middle of nowhere. That's awesome that it was. A, oh, I'm glad it wasn't ahead. a never meet your heroes kind of situation. And that he ended up being just a genuinely good human being that you've you've per oh. portrayed him to be this whole time. And I had nothing to say was, it's so nice to meet you. And I was, I was so shell-shocked. And I never thought I would be that. It was, it was phenomenal. Well, and that's it, just... Not even a touch on what he's done for his presidency. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, we we don't have a time to get into everything he's done, but Kelly's right. There are dozens of examples of oh, his I human rights efforts. Um, his human rights efforts. He founded the Carter Center, which focuses on human rights, and he's been spending multiple years, like 30 years, trying to um, eradicate the guinea worm, which is this awful, awful parasite in the waters of Africa and Asia. Countries that people 
don't think twice about and that are so underfunded. And he won the Nobel Peace Prize for all of his efforts in 2002. So the fact that he's trying to do this post-presidency, this is what, 30 years after his presidency, he's winning the Nobel Peace Prize. It's just, again, showing he is an awesome human being. And to throw a random tangent in, because I forgot to tell it earlier, during his presidency, his brother pushed out a beer called Billy Beer, and he thought that being the president's brother could get people to drink Billy Beer, which apparently was this shitty beer that came about. Um, It's really expensive now, if you want to try to find it. I would Um, love to try and find it. (laughs) If the podcast had any real money, I would totally try and find it. Yes, Billy Beer um, apparently was not that good, and Billy himself, and Billy was the president's brother, didn't really like it and drank um, PBRs instead on the on the on the sly. <laughs> if that tells you how good a Billy beer was. <laughs> okay, yeah, there we go. <laughs> I hate Billy to end Jimmy on that note, but I had to throw in Billy beer. <laughs> I might pick up. I might pick that piece out and move it. I don't, maybe I won't. I don't please know. Please do. Please I, do. I, I we ended. I, I will end on this note. And Clay can back me up. That was just watching you tell that last piece of Jimmy's story where you got to meet Jimmy. It, it was still an emotional experience for you. It was you could see the, the the passion. And Clay, any thoughts on what she said or anything like that? Yeah, no, I couldn't. I couldn't imagine what it. You know, like you said, it, as a person, as a teacher, as a historian, as a you know, just a citizen, American citizen, how impactful that would be to meet a president under the circumstances where he was so personable and you got to you know experience. Sound like a super special event and thank you for sharing that that was awesome yeah and it was the whole thing the whole with that moment at the end everything else you said just comes full circle and in the end i can say i'm more interested in jimmy carter he's more likable than i ever thought he was and more more personable than i ever thought he was so somebody that i'd be more interested in researching now and if that sparks it for one of our listeners then i'm good i'm good with that um but but very very interested in looking into him more because you know like you said we we talk about the element that his human rights efforts after his presidency were huge we don't have time to go into that is a podcast in itself i'm sure uh maybe someone someone will make after uh, years gone by um but so worth noting well anything else you guys want to say about jimmy carter or he's still a badass and he's still kicking all right, still kicking, still badass. God, I hope that doesn't bite us in the ass. But Clay, any final thoughts on you on Jimmy Carter? Still a badass. Always still a badass. Always. <laughs> I'm with Kelly. I, I I love it. I I love it. Clay, I do want to ask. Sorry, what? I talked so much. <laughs> no, you didn't. You that's totally fine. We're gonna wrap this up though because we have been on for a hot second. Um, Clay, who would you have chosen for your birthday special if you if you had done one? Any thoughts on that? <laughs> Can be anything you want. Could be anything that's a tough one that's a lot of, that's you think on it you let me know maybe if there's time down the road maybe even in the off season we'll do a little bonus yeah. episode on that because that sounds oh, that'd be so fun yes yeah, so you so so you let me know maybe god knows i'll do a birthday special at some point too the last one was on the greatest you kelly talks about jimmy carter and american indian rights uh kellen talks about the 14th amendment sherry brings in a sports hero that i know nothing about what do i fucking talk about in the one birthday special i had beavers <laughs> You love beavers. Beavers and Portugal. Uh, <laughs> I, might, I might go tapped. 
You go, yeah, it's time for you, just because you need to learn about that. We'll see about that. Uh, yes, the Taft special coming your way, DGMH listeners. And if you want to get that joke, go listen to pregame. And on that note, well, that's it. If you've enjoyed this episode of Drinks with Great Minds in History, then please consider leaving the show a great, hopefully, five-star review wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at DGMH History, and be sure to join in the conversation over at the DGMH Facebook group. If you're all caught up on the show and looking for even more DGMH or just love the show, then we hope you'll consider helping us out and supporting the show over at the DGMH Patreon page. Their listeners can get access to even more great content, including last call bonus episodes from A Twist of Psych, Shots, and all these birthday specials, pre-game chats, extra moments with Mr. DGMH, another extra moment with Mr. DGMH, D-Duo, okay, too much gin, uh, another episode, oh Jesus, uh, the 30 years war shit, you'll figure it out, Colin Chats China, he Chats Portugal, what I'm teaching, a moment with, with uh, my high school history teacher as well, so much great Patreon content over there, so please go check it out, uh, but I guess it's time to talk shots, so what's everyone doing a shot of tonight? Clay, you want to start oh. us off? Oh, okay, Clay is doing, oh, oh we froze, oh, we froze. Of course we froze. I have some too in case that comes on the All right. So Clay is pouring a mega pint of a shot. <laughs> Jackfire. Jackfire. Clay is doing Jackfire, which is a not only a whiskey shout out Jimmy Carter, but a Kelly Rizzo. Oh my God. I've had too much shit. A Kelly Rizzell shout out as well. Why does she turn off her video when she leaves? What is she worried about a scene? <laughs> I'm moving all over. So what you what are you worried about is a scene you moving all over? Well, that that shot was my butt because I oh I I packed a cooler to do this because I was afraid that the shot. Not would be the first stroke. time you've done that. I wanted it to be ice cold. I like it. So but I also go- brought I also brought Jack Fire. In case I love it. Favorite. That's a Kelly Rizell favorite. <laughs> Old Kelly Rizell, three finger Jack, Jack Fire herself. Or maybe I love Jack Fire. All right. Well, no, I, I have to do Jack shot. <laughs> well, ah, yeah, you love the Jack stuff. Um, I am doing a veil. I like Tana- cinnamon. Yeah, well, who doesn't? Thank you, Clay. I- <laughs> All right, I am doing a Vail Botanic Collections uh, Peach and Orange Blossom Vodka. Of course, if you don't get why, I mean, you haven't been listening. Sweet as a Georgia peach. Uh, have to for our Georgia guy. I was going to do peanut butter whiskey, but I saw this and I wanted to, to try it. So I've actually drank half of it already. So when I said I was in a gin and Dusco, <laughs> I'm also in like a half a shot of vodka induced coma as well but hey uh well there we go um oh, kelly you're not doing your jalapeno vodka oh, shot no. is that no, the jalapeno I'm... vodka sh- i am i that's oh. why i said i wanted it on ice i literally packed a cooler just for this i love it kelly it's actually very good i can't wait to hear your thoughts sherry was uh, afraid to do it she said she'd have to take some kind of like so an acid I, or something i have a jalapeno pepper vodka also from Vale, dollar a shot. Everybody toe to wine. Vale shots by little but bottles. I, I are have Jack Fire for a little bit later to make my real. Maybe we'll do. Can we do two birthday shots? You can do as many birthday shots as you want. It's your birthday. But, all right. Well, let's raise a glass uh, <laughs> to a truly interesting president, one that I have not given enough attention to, and uh, someone who I certainly want to now explore further and i will say of course thank you to clay for coming on this was fun to have you all my friend again thank you for coming to join us celebrate kelly Rizell's birthday so we must of course raise a glass to all that but more importantly uh raise a glass to the first lady of shots one of our oldest contributors to the show three finger jack herself uh cheers kelly happy birthday cheers
Oh, that was so pissed warm at this point. Oh, <laughs> no, my God. No. Wait, it's not that bad. I didn't mind the jalapeno. Oh. You never tried the black it's pepper. Just like jalapeno. Yeah, well, it's that's that's not a bad thing. Oh. It was delicious. Thanks, Zach. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do your shot of Jack, but I'm going to end this recording. Yeah. Cheers, everyone. Take a shot of water first. Oh, my God. Cheers. Cheers.